I think one of the most awesome experiences in Kentucky on the Bourbon Trail is Whiskey Thief. Bourbon Beards and Belvedere's. I'm Adam. And I'm Paul. And I'm Jerry. Today we've got more bourbon to drink, more cigars to smoke. We are not going to be reviewing a beard product this week. We've got an awesome guest. And you will know him from Moonshiners, from Master Distiller, co-host of Moonshiners Whiskey Business. I believe you're on AMC's ride with Norman Reedus. Mr. Tim Jones, how are you doing today, sir? Yeah, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you here. You got quite the quite the resume. We'll get into that in just a second. Before we do, let's talk about our palate warmers. So I'll start with our guest. Mr. Jones, what are you drinking on right now, sir? So it's it's never it's a pretty good chance you'll catch me with Elijah Craig barrel proof proof most most of the time. So that's what I have today. I think it's barrel five, two, three. So decent barrel. We've got several bottles of it here. So, but yeah, Elijah Craig barrel proof. Okay. Jerry, what do you got? Old Forester 1897. They're uh, bottled and bond. Always a good one. Paul? Started with just Elijah Craig small batch today. I did exactly the same thing. And uh, we'll talk about why that is in just a little bit. This is anything Elijah Craig stamped on the bottle is right up my alley but elijah craig barrel proof is is one of my go-tos it's one of my favorites before we get into whiskey of the week or even talking more about our guest i want to give a little shout out to the state trooper that pulled me over last night i took my wife to louisville to see a blackberry smoke and on our way back it was about 12 30 or so we were trying to get back home to the kids i was tired i was doing 88 miles per hour in a 70 mile per hour speed zone and two state troopers pulled me over and had every right to pull me to give me a ticket. And they ran my tags, they ran my license. And the only thing that they asked is that I slow down. The young man that that initially pulled me over said he was looking for one thing and one thing only, which were drunks. He did ask me if I'd had anything to drink. I had had two sips of beer at the concert two hours prior. I got the hiccups and heartburn, so I gave the beer to my wife. He had me follow his finger. He saw that I was not impaired and asked that I slow down and sent me on my way. He was truly out to serve and protect and not just be a prick and hand out tickets to, you know, any Tom, Dick and Harry he could get in a speed trap. So thank you to that young man. If you happen to hear this, thank you for your service and stay safe. So, yeah, this Elijah Craig, always delicious, but I'm eager to, to, get into this whiskey of the week now tim you know looking at your resume you're an international spirits judge a founding member of the barstown bourbon guild you provided creative direction and brand strategy to a multitude of distilleries and it looks like by looking at your website 
a couple of the new ones that are coming. According to the website, Oxbow Rum Distillery and Brush Creek Distillery, you found a gent's original. Now, all of this is pulled directly from your website because it was the most condensed that I could find. You partnered with Heaven Hill on a collaboration with Elijah Craig on a nationally distributed old-fashioned mix. And then you've got Boondogs, which is about seven miles from my house. So you're a pretty busy guy. You're a pretty busy fella. How did you, how did you get into all this? How, how did that happen? Hmm. What was the genesis of that? Yeah, I think getting into it all, I mean, really just being born and raised in Kentucky. I mean, my dad liked bourbon and, you know, he, he hit the bottle here and there a few times, you know, and, and I, I was born in Eastern Kentucky, so we were around bootleggers and moonshiners quite a bit. Kind of grew up sitting in the car waiting for dad to come back from some obscure trailer in the woods with a, <laughs> you know, pint of whiskey in his back pocket telling me, you know, it's just cold out, son. You got to warm up here and there, you know? And so I kind of grew up around that and moonshine here and there. And then just life happens for a while and then went and moved around a little bit, not much. So I was gone for a few years here and there and went to South Florida for a while and went to Nashville for a while and came back and started right in the, basically in a few years, I was really into, into helping brands and mainly bourbon brands. So Buffalo Trace and, and that whole project was one of my first ones. So I was fortunate enough to be on that, that project for 10 or 12 years. So and then I just I just drink a lot too. I tell people that too. It's like they recruit you if you if you act like and talk like you know what you're doing. They're just like I guess just I don't know. Hand this guy a glass and see what happens. So that's kind of how that's that's the that's actually the most important part. I think so. <laughs> that's I mean hell that's that's not a bad job description. Drink a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And I get that question a lot. Like how in the world? And I said, man, I just drank a lot. <laughs> now what about do you have any 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 form of formal education when it comes to this type of thing or anything like that well building brands i mean that's what i've been doing for 20 years and it just so happened that the majority of that now which i can't believe was in the bourbon industry so i was you know at the round table with lots of amazing people and, and master distillers and just really in it hardcore crawling around the rick houses and tasting barrels and trying to understand the business side and because i'm helping build brands so it's like we were just in it man i mean i say we because i had a whole team too but at me specifically i mean heck i got married at a distillery and you know just just been into it so building brands is what got me in it and then working they allow me to like work whiskey fests and stuff like that for brands where i'm talking to people and tasting other things and traveling and you know and that's that's really a big basis of it so the only formal education i have would be something like the six-day distillers course at moonshine university you know which i enjoy all that stuff so i you know i i i surround myself self with education and and distillers and and brands and distilleries, I just love it. Every time we travel, that's what we do. And, you know, I, I love food and drink and all that kind of stuff. So I'm into it. That's that's pretty awesome. That's 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 pretty awesome. And I know that you're also an executive bourbon steward. And Paul, forgive me, I can't remember if you are as well, but I know that uh, Jerry and myself are both bourbon stewards. No, I've never gone through that. 
something on the, on the list, but I haven't gone through that yet. Yeah, you. I mean, you can do the standard for. I think it's a hundred bucks now for for just the entry level. It was fifty when I did it, and they send you a little book, but there's nothing in that book you don't already know. I can tell you that for a fact. In fact, you know, if you want to pay for the test, I'll send you my book. But it, you're just you're going to be like, I know this, I know this, I know this, and I actually had the gall to send them a correction <laughs> because they spelled Old Forester incorrectly in the book and i was like there's only one r in the brand name i know he spelled it with two and they came back with yeah he spelled it with two that's why we did that well it's incorrect i'm sorry to tell you that <laughs> anyway uh I, i've always wanted to do the executive but the call yeah, that executive thing is interesting because you go there right is that the one you're talking about yeah we did that we were sort of one of the trial classes i was there with a tourism with Lexington, Kentucky and the KDA. And so like we went through it, I think it was 2015, maybe it's like eight or nine years ago, I think, or something like that. And so I, 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 I don't know. I, the only reason I know that is because I reached out, I was going to train my bartenders and some of my staff at Boondogs this spring. And I was like, okay, I think I went through this, but it's been eight or nine years ago. And they were like, yeah, we can send you the books and you can train your staff. Because not everybody knows. It's funny. It's like we're here in Kentucky and we think everybody still knows 51% corn and aging and mash bills and all that. But man, there's still a lot of people that don't know that stuff. We take it for granted a lot of times. So, yeah, I think you're right about that. You know, I, I actually read the other day that there was a, was it? I can't remember what county it was in. It was pretty close to Fayette County, um, a new distillery that was going up. And a lot of people are having reservations about that distillery and I, I think a lot of people take for granted the the jobs that a distillery brings you know generally you know if it gets it, I, I mean you can have 200 plus jobs pretty easily right at start for a distillery um, it's going to boost your economy like crazy and a lot of counties in Kentucky are impoverished you know I know that there was one that was recently opened up in eastern Kentucky I was very excited to see that happen or, or it's, I'm not, not, I'm sorry, not opened up, but they, they broke ground. They're starting mm -hmm. to build it. I'm, I'm glad to see that. I lived in Eastern Kentucky for a little bit. I'm from Western Kentucky. I've lived in Lexington since shit, 16 years. I don't, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know what year that was, but there's, and, and then I lived in Elizabethtown for a while and there's a new distillery going up in, in Elizabethtown too. Yeah. So it's a lot of expansion in the industry right now. Yeah. yeah it really really big expansions uh -huh. like they're not fucking around man they're they're like they're building some <laughs> some mega distilleries it's pretty awesome i mean it's cool yeah especially like barstown distilling you know they're they're going yeah balls to the wall you know they, they bought yeah. a green river they're doing everything they can to start competing with mgp and mm -hmm. and that's great that's great they make some really good distillate too they, i agree i agree so mm. all right guys Let's get on to the whiskey of the week because Tim's ahead of us. Yeah, sorry. I didn't know. That's all right. That's know. all right. I, I, <laughs> what am I going to throw in there? I have an Elijah Craig 18, <laughs> I guess I could have started with. And the, the 18 is honestly probably a great palate warmer. I should have started with it. I mean, you know, it's it's always so, I mean, the Elijah Craig 18, I love it so much. It take, It always drinks so soft, you know? It does. It's 90 proof, but. Man, if you start with anything before this, it kind of ruins it. But if you start with Elijah Craig 18, man, it's so delicious, I think. 
It is. So that was that's my actual palette warmer. <laughs> I'll, I'll change my answer. <laughs> but I gotta I gotta pour it. So <laughs> it's it it is a really good it is a really good whiskey. The the was it the twenty three? They have a twenty yeah. right. Yeah, that's so that's a bit heavy on the oak for me. The eighteen is it, it hits the sweet spot between fifteen and eighteen. Maybe twenty years is generally the sweet spot for me. One of my all-time favorite whiskeys is the uh, the Knob Creek fifteen-year-old store picks that they were putting out forever, and everybody's pissed off that they're not putting those out anymore. Those were fantastic, but this is uh, mine is the A one twenty, I believe. Now this one is twelve years old. I believe that they took the age statement off of the Elijah Creek Barrel Proofs, didn't they? Not most of them, yeah. And but I they'll know, tell you, they'll tell you when you yeah, pick they'll, it. They'll write on there. Yeah. I think one last this year was like. Yeah, the one I have is 11 years, five months. So they'll write it on there. Yeah. yeah. I say, I think one was like 10 years and people were up in arms how they used to be 12 years and now they're not. But, you know, I kind of forgot that they're 11 years. I mean, 12 years is great, but shit. Yeah. These are undervalued. Oh, I know 100%. they're going for. I, I know they're going for a lot more, but a lot more than they used to. But they're still undervalued. Well, people get this these new bottles, right? Versus the canteen bottles from back in the day, they give this shit compared to that. And I mean, there's there's really not that much of a difference in the distillate. There, you know, you might you might taste a little bit. It might be a bit of a placebo effect as well. But this is one of the better known. Not I would I would say better kept, but it's not very kept. The better known secrets in in the bourbon industry because it, this is a just one of the most fantastic bourbons that's ever been produced in my mind. Yeah, Jerry, I agree. Jerry is technically not a, or I, I shouldn't say technically traditionally not a Elijah Craig fan. He doesn't care much for the the Heaven Hill flavors. Man, this guy's a Heaven hater. Gosh, <laughs> and you 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 got nowhere but down to go, buddy. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> he he's a makers fan yeah he, he's yeah and rightfully so right but mm -hmm. yeah i, and, I guess I, I just prefer that that beam nuttiness over the the heaven hill sure he, he, nuttiness yeah i mean i love all the beam beam products man i think what what they're doing with the with some of their recent stuff is is amazing yeah big fan of jim beam as well and paul's ears just perked up he is our beam expert yeah, well, I think that's my go-to. Yeah, that's great. I, I love them. I mean, I think, yeah, it's so crazy because I love what Freddie's doing. Like, he's kind of like putting some spins and he's like elevating some of the real craft that they do. And, and people are not overlooking Jim Beam just because they're the largest bourbon brand in the world anymore. I mean, I think what Freddie's doing is incredible. And I mean, his dad, of course, too. But I like the, I like the, the recent little book releases, I think they're amazing. I think they're getting better and better every year. And with the new smaller distillery on campus, I can't wait to see what they do with it. Now, I, I've not had the chapter six, but I have a bottle of the chapter five. I got that in the first release of the Barrel and Box. So they, they released chapter one and chapter five. Mm. And chapter one, holy shit, knock your socks off. Chapter five is really fucking good. I, I jumped on it. So I work for UK and because I work for UK, you know, I get, I get free halftime, whatever. So I went through their distillation program there. 
And I jumped oh. on that way too quick because the distillery wasn't built yet. That's I should. Oh, yeah. If I had known that they were going to build that. <laughs> yeah. This semester or next semester would have been a better bet probably, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to take Dr. DeBoard, I think is his last name. Seth, the, the guy that he's from Australia and he, he, uh, he was actually on Moonshiners as well. Tim Smith and Tickle came down to get some seeds from him at one point. Anyway, he's, he's the head of the program. He created, he helped create the program. And to actually distill, you have to take his class in person. Well, I was taking it during COVID. So that was a no-go. That was a non-starter from the beginning. So it was completely online, which was fine. And, and I'm technically, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an undergrad certificate program, but I'm technically still enrolled in the program because I never applied for graduation. So if I wanted to, I could probably retake the class and slip on in there and go do some distilling with him. Mm -hmm. But I found other ways to make that happen. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, it's it's a it's a really cool little spot there. That little distillery. It's not very big. It's cool. about the size of a house. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Have we had a chance to go in, have a tour, check it out, anything like that? I saw they presented it last year, like in three D model on a big screen for some of us, and thought it was really cool. And then I drive by it some, you know. But I haven't been inside. I, I mean, I may go in there and do that too. I I just like I said, the education side is always great. You know, stand in the woods for a weekend with somebody or, you know, go to a classroom at some big university, you know, you learn something at, in, at every spot. So that's accurate. And and there is something to be said for standing in the woods or or, or doing it on your own, that yeah. kind of thing. You know, there's a lot that you can really learn <clears throat> that, you know, you thought you knew, but you find out pretty oh, quickly yeah. that you didn't. There's a lot that goes into the chemistry and all this, the 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 biology when you you know you start talking about the yeast and the grains and things like that, mm -hmm. and then the chemistry, what comes out and what you did before and how it affects what comes out and all that stuff. There is a lot to be said, a lot to be gleaned from that, and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So yeah, I think the folks that are really good at it make it look really easy, mm -hmm. you know. And we and we talk about all these brands and all this stuff and all these folks, but like. There's hundreds of years and uh, of experimenting and you know all the great moonshiners of the world. They're they're in the woods a lot. You know they're running a lot. They fucked up a lot. They've sometimes they don't even know how they made their best stuff. But it's just repetition and a lot of knowledge. And it's kind of nuts. They just make it look easy once you once you get it figured out. But there's there's so many nuances, like you said. Sure. And it is. Let's go ahead and clear this up right now. Dangerous. I've mm -hmm. actually had it spray all over my legs. And I had a nice big red spot about that long from my knee to my ankle on my right shin for about four months. And it's largely cleared up. There's a tiny little scar right there, but it, it can be dangerous. Explosions can happen. Anytime that I've done it, I've never used open flame unless I was doing it in a distillery. So, you know, that, that does take some of the danger out, but it can be. It can be hazardous, so let's we'll go ahead and throw that out there. I need for Steve Tickle to go ahead and, and get this passed federally for home distillation so that I can I can do what I want to do and not have to worry about the cops. Yeah. At any rate, yeah, you, you, you kind of struck a chord there for me whenever you mentioned your dad going into these <laughs> weird trailers and whatever, because yeah. when I lived in Eastern Kentucky, <laughs> yeah, I went to a... I went to a, a bootlegger that it, it was like Sonic. It was a, it was a metal barn. There were three or four guys working there. 
They'd come up to your car, they'd take your order, they'd hop on a four-wheeler, they'd ride up a hill to that weird trailer, and they'd come back with your shit. Uh, that's that's a great operation. I Mine weren't as sophisticated as that. Mine was I, the, a funny story. One of the last times I went to a bootlegger, just because I moved, you know, I moved to a place and didn't need, need to go to the bootlegger anymore. But I remember I was probably 18, maybe 19 years old, and my my parents drove a blue crown Victoria and I had my buddies in the blue crown Victoria. I guess I was maybe 16 or 17. Yeah. Cause I wouldn't have. Yeah. Anyway. So I was pretty young, 16 or 17 blue crown Victoria I parked. There was where one of the bootleggers was, there was an old rundown school and there was a little parking lot there. I mean, it was rundown. So it wasn't a school. It hadn't been a school in 50 years. So he wasn't selling whiskey next to the school. It was an old school. But I pulled in and then he had a little window in this block building and he had literally just a, a little L-shaped wall that you would walk behind and order through the window and get your shit. Well, he could see the front of the Crown Vic sitting there. <laughs> and he was just like, I mean, he was really stretching out of that window, man. He was just <laughs> like, is that your all's car out there? And I was like, yes, my mom's, you know. And he was like, I mean, he was really like, he started questioning us. And my, my buddy, his name, I won't say his name, but because he was, he used to moonshine some too, but he would say, well, how old are you boys? And the, my buddy behind me goes, how the fuck old I had to be to buy from a bootlegger? And, and so it's like, that's a pretty good question, you know? It's like, <laughs> and so he just kind of slid our bottles, you know, out, out the little window there and we left, but. I freaked him out with the Crown Vic. He almost carded us, and I was like, "Man, this is crazy." I, but I'd gone to that guy, my, you know, probably since I was seven years old, you know. <laughs> so I was like, you know, it's Dad's mom's car, but the old Crown Victoria, man. It used to, I used to roll up on my friends all the time, real fast. They'd be sitting in the sitting in the parking lot, you know, and I knew what they were doing. The windows were up, and I just, I'd see them, and I'd just do it. UV and slide into the into the little parking lot real fast, man. It would take them like three minutes to roll those windows down. <laughs> just like real slow. Yeah, I was always the cops, man. It was funny. <laughs> My brother did some shit like that to me one time. I actually I had just found out that I had a warrant and I was staying in this apartment and the road curved around behind and he had a white crown Vic and he had a fucking yeah. a, a spotlight that was powered by a cigarette lighter he drove past <laughs> the spotlight and i was in the window and the laws of gravity applied to me in all the ways and i hit the floor as fast as i possibly could that oh day. yeah and did he yeah. ever hit you with the hair dryer like yeah. it's a speed <laughs> like a speed trap <laughs> jesus yeah all right so uh, uh slam on their brain <laughs> So the 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 Barstown Bourbon Guild. Tell us a little bit mm. about that, if you would. That's yeah. Are you a member? No, no, sir. It's really cool, man. There's a guy named Sam down there. He works for tourism for Bardstown, and it's a whole initiative. To is a tourism initiative, and it's to educate folks on the Bardstown distilleries and the food and everything Bardstown, and it's it's just really well done. And so there was, I don't know how many of us in the beginning, founding members, maybe 50 or something. 
but it's all distilleries or all distillers. Danny Kahn, which he's a friend of mine, but he was at Barton at the time. He's kind of overall, he's now kind of over all the Sazerac distilleries, but, or at least the distillation part of those distilleries. Freddie, no, and those boys, they're all members. So it was a really cool first group of folks. And it was like just this whole initiative to make sure people knew that Bardstown is where bourbon is made. I mean, that's kind of the tagline, but we all know you can make bourbon anywhere. But like Parker Beam said, if you want to make bourbon, you better, you want to sell bourbon, you better make it in Kentucky. We always kind of, I love that quote. But yeah, so the Bardstown Bourbon Guild. So it's a, it's a great guild. There's a hundred members, 150 members. Now we have a clubhouse downtown Bardstown with our lockers. It's really beautiful, but half of it's an education room too, where where they're going to host classes and stuff, but they go on several barrel picks, you know, and we do a lot of events together at Bardstown distilleries and the, and the majority of them are members. I don't, you know, I think, unfortunately, I don't think will it is. I don't think Barton is which is kind of weird, but I don't think Barton and Willard are, but every, I think everybody else is. And I might be misquoting that Barton might be now. I don't, I don't know, but, but it's really great. I mean, it's, they have a great website. You can go on Bardstown Bourbon Guild. There's a Bardstown Bourbon Alliance, I think as well, and learn all about it. Membership opens up every so often. They keep it fairly small, but it's a really active group. I mean, we all know there's bourbon guilds and bourbon groups all over the country now. And some of them fizzle out pretty fast or, you know, they're just a couple guys getting together, which is fine. This one's really active and there's like a, a whole big initiative for it. So it's, it's, it's well done. Very cool. I just pulled up the mm-hmm. website here and <clears throat> I mean, the, so what the membership is 375 for the first year, 600 household discount. It doesn't say what it would be after that, but it does look like it lists your name on the <clears throat> Oh, no, those are the founding members, my bad. And then honorary members after the fact, you know, so they've got, they've got some, so Fred, no, uh, Lynn Dant, who I actually mm-hmm. was, she was in some of my classes at UK mm-hmm. for the distillation program. Lynn was, and yeah, she's really been experimenting with some gin lately that is actually, I, I think their gin down at Monk's Road is pretty, is really good. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing nice. Gin That's the thing that I have recently discovered is that, that I actually enjoy is gin. I always yeah. thought that I hated it. And you know, my experience was always beef eater or something along those lines. Yeah, exactly. The, the gin that, that Stephen Bean produced. Hey, I can see him now. Look, there's a space. <laughs> <laughs> the, the gin that Stephen Bean produces is fantastic. I cannot remember for the life of me what it's called, but they're the yeah, there's stone. Limestone Branch guys down there, Stephen. Uh, Bowling and Birch, I think, is what it's called. The it, it, oh. it is made at Limestone Branch, but it's okay. I think the gin is called Bowling and Birch. Or, oh, the the gin. Sorry. Yeah, it's uh, it's and it, it like it. I'm a big fan of Fruity Pebbles. I spent the better part of my life when I was younger being a stoner, and I ate a lot of Fruity Pebbles, and that's what it tastes like to me. It's there you really, go. It's really fucking good. <laughs> it's, it's really awesome. good, but. Yeah, I'm I'm always interested in gins now. Well, there's so there's such a variation in gins. Sure. I mean, there's just such a variation. I think I I love what some of the craft distilleries are doing with it. I mean, I know yeah, there's just a lot of really great ones out there. Yeah, Paul recently introduced me to Neely and Sons Absinthe, which 
-hmm. historically I'm not a absent fan, but that Neely mm -hmm. and Sons and the the botanical things are, are are slowly creeping in, you know, making it making an appearance into mm -hmm. into my wheelhouse, my palate. Yeah. Are you talking about the Neely family? Uh, yeah, around the racetrack. Yeah, I have a bottle too. And what I love about that, it's so unique, you know, he's got that old old still that's you know he brought over and he uses i think his traditional sugar shine as the mm. base of that i think is what makes it so unique yeah i mean i hope he he's probably like shut up tim you don't know what the heck you're talking about but he knows i like it you know so that's all that matters it's like <laughs> but whatever he's doing is really great but you if you if you're doing a tasting don't don't do what i did I tasted it like in the middle and it completely ruined my palate for the rest of the tasting. It was like oily, you know, cause it's got a real, it's visco the viscosity on it. It's really interesting. It's a little, it's not oily, but it's, it lingers. Yeah. It, it lingers, man. It lingers. And I could not, I was like, yep. Yeah. This nice five year bourbon you've been aging since you guys, you know, started whatever, whatever it was. I was like, tastes like absinthe. Yeah, everything after that, I was like, "Man, all your bourbon tastes like absinthe." But uh, it's a really, it's a really good one. Absolutely, yeah. I haven't used it in anything though. I've only, I've only tasted it. You know, I've only drank it. I need to like make like a sazerac with it or something. You know, like a cocktail with it. And, and yeah, I'm sorry if they're listening that I haven't used it in a cocktail, but but it is quality stuff. Yeah, I like it just neat. I don't, I mean, even without yeah. a leash, like, I mean, just straight up, it's fantastic. Yeah, it really is. Have you ever Can made, you tell uh, it's like a sugar? Can you tell like the base spirit is different than most absence? Yeah, definitely. I thought absence. so too. Yeah, and most absence that you find on the shelves on, you know, everyday store, you know, walk in type of just local liquor store, they're not very good at all. So, yeah, guys picking up, you know, making absence is, is something I'd like to see a lot more of too. Yeah, I think I, I'm hoping that some of these distilleries. I mean, it's bourbon country, so I'm I'm glad they're taking a little time to experiment because we have some of the best distillers in the whole world, and I know they can make other stuff. So once they start broadening that, you know that those skews that they sell, I think we're going to see some amazing spirits come out of Kentucky. That's not just bourbon, I think. Yeah, and and Paul. So, have you ever made a a cocktail with it at all? I know that you like it straight, but have you ever? No, just... no, because I I only got, I think like a three seven five. It was a smaller bottle, and I sampled a bunch of it out. I need to get another bottle. If you yeah, come across I one, I would like one. So I'll just I'll just throw that out there to you because I I don't I don't know if I can get it anywhere around me. Tim might be able to tell me. Can we get the absinthe around here in this area? You, we can. You know, the best time to get it. Is during the 127 yard sale and you go yard selling all day and have a few cold beers and then okay. end up, end up at the Neely family distillery okay. and drink a bunch of stuff and then have absinthe and then drive back smoking cigars. That was my experience with it. So, but yeah, so you, I mean, I don't know how far it is. It's probably like a couple hours, hour and a half. It's by the Kentucky speedway up there. It only took me like an hour and a half. I mean, it took me all day because I was on that yard sale thing all day. But, but by Sparta? Uh, yeah, it's in Sparta. <clears throat> but I haven't seen it in stores. It's probably a gift shop only, I would guess. I don't see much Neely stuff. I I, I can't say that I've ever no. seen anything Neely on the store shelves around here at all. No. 
I need to give him a call because I wouldn't mind carrying it. I have that bar. I have Boondogs. That, yeah, sure. Just, you know, we have we have pretty good stuff on the bar. So I need to get a hold of his, his distributor and carry some. Are you able to talk at all about uh, what you got going on with Oxbow or Brush Creek, or or is that kind yeah, of- yeah? I mean, I basically I'll back up a little bit before then, but you know, working with all the big Kentucky distilleries and main, mainly all the Sazerac brands for so long. I left that job a couple of years ago and just freelanced and I'm and and I picked up a few clients and I, and I'm not looking for a ton of stuff to, you know, I have plenty going on, but, but yeah, Oxbow rum distilleries down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It, it's a, actually a really amazing story, amazing product. They're, they're, they're just kind of getting started. They've been around for a little bit. And then me and some other folks, there's a couple other people involved, of course. There's always a team around me. So it's usually never like, I mean, I'll tell you if I did it all myself. If I don't tell you, there's like a team around us. So, but a, a great team that that hired me to go in and help with like renaming it because they were already a brand. They started a brand a few years ago before I started with them. We need a new new name, sort of consolidate their efforts in the distillate and what they're putting on the shelf. But what's so amazing about it, it's that it's a multi-generational family that owns all the the, the sugar plantation and the mill. So they have this, I think now they might be the largest sugar plantation when it comes to yield in the state of Louisiana, which is a, which is a big deal down there. I mean, I, they were fourth or fifth for a long time and I think they crept up. So I could be wrong, but they're at least top one or two. And then, so they have the pick of sugar and molasses and everything to make a really great rum product. So her name's Olivia Stewart. She's the owner and the daughter of the owner of the plantation and the mill. So she gets, it's like this giant playground. She grew up there. She has this amazing story. The family's goes back generations and they have this little distillery in Baton Rouge and they, they make an incredible product, an incredible product. And it was just a lot of starting a craft distillery, not really knowing what to do. They knew that they could make good, good distillate, but what, how do they sell it? How they brand it? How they talk about themselves? What part of the story are you using? But so that's, it's a really great client. And I've been really proud of that one. It's not up here yet. I think they're just now in, you know, Louisiana, Texas, Florida, and Atlanta. And, you know, the, the country's still not like totally, it's not as accepting with rum right now. I mean, it's growing. I think if you tasted her agricole rum or her barrel-aged rum, it would blow your socks off. It would blow your socks off. I mean, we all love great bourbons. I can't imagine you wouldn't love her barrel-aged rum. I mean, it's just, you know, obviously it's sweeter, but she's using brand new white oak barrels. She's aging for at least two years. So it's the exact same process as a bourbon. And her rum's fantastic. So that's one. And then I work with Brush Creek and they're out in Wyoming. And some of these are just prod projects that I just love. You know, when you, if you look up Brush Creek Ranch, it'll blow your mind. And, and, and as soon as they, they flew me out there 
and I got there and I was like, what am I, where am I? You know, I mean, it's like the most beautiful place. It's a 30,000 acre Wagyu cattle farm. Wow. In Wyoming, surrounded by mountains and just the beautiful Wyoming landscape. It's a, it's one of the most premium resorts in the world. So like all these huge celebrities go there and all that. Like when I was leaving the first time George W. Bush was coming in and stuff like that. It's, it's incredible that the folks there have told me stories of Kobe Bryant and Madonna and like all these people. It's like, holy shit, where am I? You know, that's awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. So they have a little distillery there and it's mainly for a visitor experience. That's how it started. It was like, go to, go to our little goat farm over here and watch how all this cheese is made. You know, it's like all this amazing cheese for the resort or go fly fishing or go to this distillery and see how bourbon's made and all this kind of stuff. But they've expanded and they're in several states now too. But really awesome brand. I just love being out there. So it's like one of those no-brainers. I I, I mean, if I could handpick some things, that's Wyoming's one of them. I'm like, heck yeah, I don't care if you're I don't care if you're a gutter company. I'm going I'm going to <laughs> Wyoming and see how I can help you, you know, market and brand some gutters. But but it's cool. And I have one in Charleston, South Carolina that I help out with too. Firefly Distillery. They are owned by Sazerac, but Scott and I are friends. And so he's he's a friend of mine that owns the place. And so I, I just tinker with them guys. I, I enjoy Charleston. So anytime I'm down there, I'll, I'll swing in. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of projects going on. But I just always keep my keep my hands in it. It's not the only thing I enjoy these days, but I love helping brands and tasting good spirits. And I just, I do, I, I really love it. So anytime I can help somebody, I, I try to. That's awesome. That's That's an awesome job. It's awesome of you to do that. That's just all around awesome. Jerry, I'm interested to know if you've seen the Oxbow. Have you had the Oxbow? Jerry's our rum guy. He's down in Florida, so he's got access to all. I, we love rums, by the way. All of us do. Yeah, right. I was actually looking up their, their website mm-hmm. as you were talking. and went to. Mm-hmm. They have a product finder. You could put which product you want on there mm-hmm. and uh, put your zip code in. And I put for 100 miles my zip code. Nothing showed up. but that agricole rum definitely de- sparked my my interest big fan of of those rums out there and you can never go wrong with a nice barrel aged just rum especially if it's made well so i'll definitely be keeping an eye out with this or see if i could find it online to purchase somewhere yeah keep an eye out for it I, if you appreciate agricole i don't think you'll be disappointed the other thing that's really great about what they're doing is they use only grade A molasses when they distill their rum. And the difference really is like grade A is not available commercially for other folks. That is like the first step into getting a molasses product. Well, since they own the place, she can go and take what she needs from that. And that's not anything like a another rum distiller probably doesn't have access to that unless they have their own mill. So it's it's really unique. So the quality is there because she's selecting what she knows that plantation like the back of her hand. She knows where the best yields are with the cane. She knows when to pull it out before it gets cooked too much and becomes 
you know, black strap and all that shit. So she, she just knows Kane. I mean, she's a leading expert in Kane. So if you're that smart in Kane, you're, you're starting at a spot that a lot of folks aren't because she knows like she, you know, when it comes to the, the harvest, she can look at that bricks count in a, in a stock and understand what her yield and even some of her flavors should be after after dis- distillation. So it's a really interesting place. And they're just getting started. I, I have high hopes for them. Right. Yeah, not to uh, not to throw another distillery in there, but there's one about 30, 45 minutes north in Georgia, Richland, Rome. They got their own. Well, that's in Brunswick. The ones actually in Richland has their own sugarcane Mm-hmm. farm and everything and they're able to do all that too and it's actually touring that one was cool to see how they could they basically pick and choose what kind of or which stocks they want and go from there yeah. and then so when you're able to do that it, you produce some fantastic products and it sounds like they know what they're doing over there so definitely keep an eye out for these and then if i do we know anyone in baton rouge area no, but Richard Landry, he's not from, he's not from Baton Rouge, but he's the only one that I can think of that we know mm-hmm. from Louisiana. I and gave him some Oxbow. We worked on a show. I think we've done a few shows together or at least been on set. I know we did one show together, but I think we've been on set several times because a lot of times we piggyback off of uh, Moonshiners season when everybody's in town, then we'll do master distillers as well. And so it's all just one big cluster. I mean, what, yeah. yeah it's, shows, how did you get hooked up with discovery channel in general? I heard a story that came down to a Google search at some point. Dude, tell me the story. No, it's, it's really, yeah, it's true. So I was working, I was working on some of the biggest, well, I wouldn't say the biggest brands, but some of the most, searched for brands and was doing a lot. I was kind of promoting that for a little bit just on social media because I was so excited about working on some of these brands that everybody's looking for and had a website that showcased a lot of that. My website doesn't anymore. It doesn't even show all the work at all. It doesn't show any of my past work really. But And so, yeah, I was just sitting in my office working and my office sort of looks like, has always looked like this. You know, this is my, this is a private club I'm in now, but and so I get an email. It was just a, it was just a cold email. It's like, Hey, we're casting for the show called whiskey business. And if you're interested, call us back, you know, call us. I mean, who, whoever thinks that, I, mean, I don't know. I didn't even, I was like, well, that's interesting. It took me a few days. I told my wife about it. You know, I was like, I don't know. What do you think? And she was like, I don't recall. So I called him. I was like, Hey, it's Tim. And they interviewed me on the phone. It was a cold call. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do like a video interview or whatever it was. And got on the interview and they hired me right then. I mean, I was on a plane in like three days. And I think they had been looking for a while, probably. And the story that you're probably referring to <laughs> is like, I always say it's, it's like really embarrassing, but it's also I'm really flattered too, is like, after the first day on set, I went out drinking with the guys and the, and, and the crew and stuff. We always hung out. I'm still great friends. They they actually fly down and stay at my house and stuff. I mean, or at least visit. I mean, we're still really good friends. We're doing some projects together, actually. But they said, I said, how'd you find me? And they literally said, 
Well, we Googled Kentucky Bourbon Creative and two people popped up, creative director, two people popped up, you and Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> and that was when he was working on, he was the creative director for Wild Turkey and I sure. was the creative director on Buffalo Trace. <laughs> and so that was how they were like, okay, well, we're probably, we have a probably better shot to call Tim. So they, you know, gave me a shout. So, but that's literally how they found me. That's awesome. I, I, I would love to be on master distiller. That would be, that would be like, and, and Richard, he, he kind of alluded to the fact that that might be a foregone type situation. Like they may not be bringing that back, but he, he, he said something about, you know, something else that he was trying to push them on, whatever, where they go into people's homes as opposed to having them come to Tennessee or whatever, wherever they were filming it, which would be awesome. I would, I would love to do that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, this is it's a it's a good show. I mean, I did I did several of them, and you meet a lot of nice people, you know, and and a lot of really, really amazing folks. Salt of the earth, you know, just doing their best and trying. And you know, it's a big opportunity for a lot of folks. And it started really small, but it had the platform platform of moonshiner, so it was always had some eyeballs on it, you know. And yeah, I remember. I don't know if I was on set with richard i don't even know what episode he was on but when he was competing i think i was actually because in the second season the first season we did one set i mean it was just in the back of sugar lands and you know it was a really nice set though and then the second season it was COVID, so we had to move out because of the public was coming in and out of sugar lands and honestly the public is can be you know, it can be a lot when you have a lot of people together. Like we would, all the moonshiners would be all together and we'd be walking back and forth from our hotels. And then there's your downtown Gatlinburg, people notice, you know? So it's like, that was a cluster a little bit, but it was great. But I then we had two sets on the second season, I believe, second, third, fourth season, we had four sets. But, but I remember it like Amanda was there and I remember her competing in the room next to me and I tried her stuff. They were like, Oh, you got to try this. And I went and introduced myself to her and she had some really good stuff during her competition. And yeah, there's just a lot of really talented folks that come through and honestly, and some of them aren't that talented <laughs> <laughs> and they just got a lot to learn, but they're learning and they love it and they, and they will become great someday. Sure, but sure. There was a lot of, I mean, some, some of the, yeah, there would be a big difference in some of them, especially early, you know, there's a huge gap early in the show. And as the show progressed, the talent got better and better and better. I think people were practicing more. They understood the premise of the show more. They were studying, they were prepared. There was a lot more unique. I thought the competition got really good towards the end. I think I still have an episode that hasn't aired, but yeah, competition got really good. Yeah. Well, I got to ask. So <laughs> something that I've noticed because I've watched every episode religiously multiple times. Okay. <laughs> they always come back in, you know, oh, well, here, here's your mash. You got, you got this long to prepare your mash. And then supposedly they come back in five days later, but they're always wearing the same goddamn clothes that they were wearing yeah. when they started preparing the mash. So is that actually, is there actually a five-day span and they have yep. to wear the same clothes? Yep. Every every episode, everybody wears the same clothes, and that's for editing. Uh, that's and what I you, thought. 
And that's why you notice the even the real moonshiners, mm-hmm. everybody wears the same stuff. Yep. The, the re- it's not that they all want their own uniform, but it's because of editing. You can, you can, you know, when you have a quote or if I have a reaction or a distiller has a reaction, you can cut it anytime you want. Okay. That's the magic of TV and, and film. But yeah, there really is. It really has to ferment. I mean, that is part of okay. it. Okay. okay. Yeah. Good to all know. of it's Good real. It's all, it's all of, it's the whole process. And, and sometimes somebody's doesn't, you know, they don't get as much out of it as somebody mm-hmm. else. So, I mean, it's part of the process. Yep. That's, that's what I was hoping you would say, because I have yeah. seen some folks on there that they're, uh, they're, they're mash, you know, it was still working off and they, they were able to still make something that was truly great out of it which is which is fantastic you know to them but let's let's uh let's go on to talking about this this whiskey and and cigar pairing that 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 tim suggested Mm -hmm. to us so we're talking about the elijah craig barrel proof and the oliva siri v milanio because holy shit generally we what we found on this show is that there needs to be a bit of a juxtaposition of a a heavier cigar with a lighter whiskey or vice versa. I'm going to go ahead and say right now that this cigar is working very well with this whiskey. They are really playing really well off of each other, which is something I'm very excited about because I love this cigar and I love this whiskey. I'm a big fan of heavy flavors, raw steak, or not raw steak, rare steak, black coffee, those types of things, you know, barrel proof whiskey, you know, full flavored cigars, and these are these are really doing a lot of justice for each other for me. They're it's this is the cigars bringing out the sweetness in the whiskey. The whiskey's bringing out a, a earthy, peppery note in the cigar itself, and a little bit of a toasted note that Jerry and I were talking about earlier. Even kind of a a s'more type of hmm. flavor. They're they're just really working really well for me. How are you, at, Tim? How do you feel about the two? I mean, you're you're the one that suggested these two. Yeah, yeah, these. You know, this you kind of nailed it on flavor. Like I'm a big bold flavor guy. I mean, I love high proof, usually anything. And I think what's interesting to go back to the show real quick is like I noticed the more times I was on the show that folks were bringing me stronger and stronger spirit. <laughs> I was like, oh, they've seen me before, you know. But it's you know, so but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think. I need a cigar to stand up to something like Lodge Craig Barrel Proof, Stag, stuff like that. That's the world I play in a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like lower proof stuff too, like that 18 or Weller 12 or hell, just Jim Beam, you know. George T. Stag is my all-time favorite. It's my all-time yeah, it's a favorite. Yeah, it's a great whiskey. I have a really traumatizing story about my bartender selling two bottles for super cheap about three weeks ago. So I'll tell you off air what happened, but I had two <laughs> bottles sitting there and somebody came in and bought it. So you guys need to go to boondogs sometime. And if I'm not there, you might get a great deal. You know, <laughs> I was like, Oh shit. But well, every uh, day from now on. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this, I agree. I think it's great whiskey. I think it pairs really well with this big cigar, big bowl yes, flavors. Yes, sir. And it, And you'll notice this is one of those cigars. It's not even all the way down, but as we get to towards the end, it gets a little peppery too. So it's like, you know, you might, you might enjoy that as well. So it 
but it's a lot of time for me. These kind of cigars are mostly based on time too. It's like how much time do we have? You know, this is a longer smoke, and I think that it smokes really well. The draw is really great. Usually, I've never had any problems with it. What I can't stand is fighting with a cigar for any amount of time. I hate it. It's usually, you know, I had a few of these this morning. Actually, I was in come in in the morning and drink coffee and smoke cigars and do some work. But, but yeah. Sorry, I took up all your time. There's no more time for you guys. <laughs> do do you uh, do you ever make a trip up the road to Brandon to uh, Jake's? Yeah, I used to. I used to smoke at Jake's quite a bit, and I still do. I like popping in there. I think it's beautiful. It's great. It is. I took it's Jerry very great. Yeah, I took Jerry there a couple months ago, and uh, you can sure. spend a whole lot of money in that place in a really short period of time. Man. You can. You can. I smoke a lot at my own. My I have patio in the summer i like to smoke in i smoke here sometimes but but jake's is great i mean it's really nice schwab's too i on southland if you you know go down to schwab's buy some cigars support him he's local just just like jake but but they're both we're, we're really fortunate to have real, two really great cigar stops sure sure so jerry you're at my top left here how are you feeling about it you know i'm really interested to hear what you got to say since you're not a big elijah craig fan he he's got so, the, the Kroger pick that that I happened to pick up. I, yeah. Oh, nice. It, this is really I think good. this one's a. I think this one. I was trying to find a picture earlier. I think it's an eight year, one hundred thirty three proof from Kroger. It, uh, one thirty three point six, but it's a nine year. Or nine year label. Yeah. Come on, and Jerry. With, uh, with uh, <laughs> again, I don't. I'm not an Elijah Craig man, but usually I get like this musty, and dusty but not in a good way like nuttiness like earthy nuttiness and i don't like it this one i'm not getting it this one's a lot sweeter than most elijah craig's i taste but none of this is there it, it's actually kind of leaning towards more of that jim beam nuttiness so i actually enjoy this one quite a bit this cigar to start out with was peppery and earthy with a little bit of like chocolatey cocoa notes and like you said towards the end that, that pepper kicks up mm -hmm. again like as soon as it hits your mouth, it's it's all pepper, but then you let it sit there for a minute before blowing out and it becomes like this chocolate caramel, like smooth, sweet. It I, I'm a big fan of the the standard V. I've I was actually telling Adam before this, I haven't had the Milanio, at least I don't think, ever. This is the first one. And yeah, it's two different, completely different cigars, even though the only difference is the the wrapper. This one has that nice toastiness all the way through from the start to the end, which I really enjoy. And it kind of gives the the whiskey a little bit of like a, a toasty feel to it. But yeah, this is going well, real well. I typically in, enjoy like 100, 115, somewhere in that range with a nice bold mm -hmm. cigar. So mm -hmm. finding a 130 plus with this deep, heavy cigar that actually pairs well, it's it's, it's fantastic. So, yeah, that's a great, that's like a great it. review, man. Good job. Thank you. Yeah. I'm like taking notes over here. Cause it's like, dang, man, it's great. <laughs> I need to, I'm going to next podcast. I'm on it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I got it. I got it down. Now I got the notes down from Jerry. That's I good. grabbed the two guys that I knew that had the best palettes out of everybody that I knew. That's awesome. Whenever. So Paul, let's hear what you got to say, buddy. Yeah, so I don't even know what I'm drinking, to be honest. It's a sample that just said ECBP on it. That's um, that's the same one that Jerry's got. It's the same okay, as the yeah, pick. Yeah, the nine. Yeah, for me, I mean, yeah, it's it's sweeter. It's very sweet. 
yeah. for being you know barrel proof I usually don't it's usually more peppery spicy for me the barrel proofs i've had in the past this one is definitely it's, it's like sweet and it's a cinnamon bomb and the mm-hmm. cigar really brings that cinnamon to the finish for me on the whiskey the cigar is fantastic i've never had one of these milanios before right up front just like i think you guys mentioned that toasty it's like almost like a toasted almond and there's this creaminess that goes all through the cigar that pepper's there but it's not overwhelming it's got a great draw i'm out in the freezing cold and the wind's blowing like crazy and i've only had to touch it up once it's no it's a fantastic cigar and it it goes really well because this i would say this is like medium high-end medium to full type of cigar for me and going with this high proof bourbon it's just like it, it, it works perfectly together because there is a little bit of that pepper spice in the whiskey just plays plays very nicely together 